Hi, I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gromos. And we're aiming for the back peg, the football podcast where we're talking all things World Cup. This is Destination Doha Episode 3. And on this show, we're going to be focusing on Group C with Argentina, Poland, Mexico, and Saudi Arabia. And we've got a special guest, who is Yerman Cabrera from G10 Football, who's an ex-pro, played in India and uh, played around the traps here in, in Sydney and Australia. Really excited to have him on. This episode, we're going to be focusing on Group C, and the headline story is, Can the Little Magician Deliver the Third World Cup to Argentina? Can he? Can he indeed? Lionel Messi, a lot of pressure, the pressure of the Argentinian nation on him, and the eyes of the world watching him as well, no doubt, because as we've been experiencing, uh, us football fans have been experiencing over the last decade and a half, who is the best player in the world? Is it Messi or is it Ronaldo? It's and always been Ronaldo on the on the main stage. He's delivered mm. more for Portugal than Messi has for Argentina. But it's it's starting to level up a bit with the Copa America last year and Argentina come into this tournament looking the hot favourites for the group and one of the favourites to reach the final, lift the trophy perhaps. It's unfair on both of them to be fair. Right? They're both just fantastic players. Let's just appreciate them for, for where they're at and what they've contributed to the sport of football because they've both been fantastic for their respective clubs and uh, nations. And it will be interesting to see how Argentina react to the pressure of being one of the most, uh, one of the more fancied teams. I, I think they're, you know, one of the top three or four favourites in this. A lot of the European sides aren't quite on the verge of winning something. I don't think they're quite firing on all cylinders. And that brings in Brazil and Argentina as some of the favourites heading. But I think those two sides are the contenders. Well, Europe is probably the most competitive confederation of the lot, right? Given the number of nations and that any nation compete any other nation, essentially, in Europe, aside from the probably the bottom ten. Uh, but you've, you've got... So, as it stands, obviously, the Italians, they're not there this time around. So... The UEFA Confederation champion is not there this time. Uh, we've got... That's two World Cups on the bounce, though, that they're missing the Italians. It is, and funnily enough, you they know. win the Euros in between. Funny how football works, That's how it, it goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes, right? So uh, we love our Italian friends, and hopefully there are plenty of you listening. So, But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pity that the Azzurri aren't there this time around. But... Because uh, Mancini, as a coach, is uh, is unreal, as we've discussed them previously. But you've got the Argentinians who are the Commonwealth champions. You've got you know you've got Qatar who are the AFC champions. So you've got all the other confederation champions there, except for the European ones, unfortunately. Argentina, jeez, they are. Just a, a stack side. They really are. They Defense, are a stack midfield side. and attack. There's not yep. really a glaring weakness in this team. No. You may be able to point the finger of the attack away from Messi. The Di Maria's picked up an injury at the moment. Uh, the Bala. The Bala's injured. Um, and Julian Alvarez is in and out of the side of Manchester City. The first time he's really had to fight for his place since breaking through at River Plate a few mm. years ago now. Yeah. Can he deal with that adversity of not being a first-choice starter each and every match? 
I think there's a bit of a question mark surrounding Argentina and the amount of goals they score because if we look at qualifying, mm. they only just outscored Uruguay. Yep. In the in the Commi Bowl yep. section of qualifying. Yep. But the highlight here is the defence. Only mm. eight goals conceded, mm. and it's not an Argentinian defence that you would associate with the absolute pinnacle of football as it stands at the moment. Emi Martinez at Aston Villa will be first-choice goalkeeper at Aston Villa. I agree. You've got Otto Mendy, who's a regular in there. Christian Romero at Tottenham is playing well. Yep. But aside from him, there isn't really that star power that you normally would associate with a defence of a side that's looking to win the World Cup. So therefore, it all hinges on their midfield and attack, pretty much. No, I think that's fair to say. Essentially, yeah. yeah. And whether there is enough protection from that midfield and... Uh, to keep the goals out. It was successful in qualifying, as we've seen, even yeah. though they didn't play Brazil for the second time. That was meant to be at the MCG. That's right. But COVID happened and the game yep. didn't go ahead. Yep. Uh, but eight goals conceded is fantastic. It's just whether they can deal with a step up to the World Cup level. Yeah, look, I think they're, like I said earlier in the intro, I think they're one of the fancied opponents and no doubt we'll get more insight from our Argentinian guest or who's uh, an expert in all things football Argentina, Yerman uh, Cabrera from G10 Football. So looking forward to having him on later on in, in, in the episode. But look, I think this World Cup for Argentina, it's all about one man. I think that's fair to say. It's all about Lionel Messi. He's made it clear that it's pretty much his last World Cup. And I think if he wins the World Cup, I think if he leads Argentina to this World Cup, that basically puts pay to who was the greater, Maradona or Messi. And I'm, you know, I've always been, to be honest, of the uh, Maradona school. Not, not that, you know, uh, deriding anything that Messi's ever done, far from it. But Maradona single-handedly led 1986, <laughs> you know, the 1986 team to World Cup victory. It was, the, it was all about Maradona and his effect and impact on the team and and almost actually did it for a second time in Italian 90 right so un, under you know under even crazier conditions Italian 90 because of the fact that he was in Naples and you know um, had already done what he had done with Napoli and as it turned out I think the impact of the semi-final back then between Italy and Argentina in Napoli in Naples was uh, was one step too far for uh, the little maestro well you mentioned Maradona almost single-handedly leading Argentina to the 86 title it's mm. on Messi to do it this time around whether he can emulate uh, his uh, successor in a sense as the the focal yeah, point yeah. of his Argentina team he is the successor and unfortunately like I said it's a shame that we, we won't get to see Dybala in this tournament I think that's a big. I think that's a big blow for them, but uh, but they, look, you know they've got talent all over the the park. So, um, so we we think that um, we think that he's definitely the key player for them. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I think you can offer some supporting cast, but uh, Messi is certainly the right. the lead actor of this Argentina side. A, a side where I'm going to ask you, Lazarus, is there a a real prize of winning this group is there more of an opportunity to go deep in the tournament if you finish second if we look across at group D and we have France Denmark Tunisia and Australia yep. there is perhaps a bit of a collapse at the French national team uh, we're on the verge of seeing we're hoping so 
Yes, we are hoping so for the Australian <laughs> perspective. But so. if it is the case that Denmark win the group, France comes second. Mm. Facing France in the round of 16, assuming Argentina win Group C, that's a massive game early doors, much earlier than expected in this yeah, tournament. I don't think anyone wants to face France if they make it out of the group, which, I mean, we're, we're pending, the, you know, we're saying that the worst case scenario is that the French implode and go out of the group phase. Unlikely, right? But I think that, yeah, it isn't much of a reward for the first, for the team that finishes first. Either way, whoever, who, if wherever you finish in that in this group, you're up against a very tough opponent in the next in the next round. Because even if it is Denmark, they're a fantastic side. Absolutely, they did well the Euros yeah. last time out. They've yeah. done well in Nations Leagues. Correct. In the, in the, the final two four now, yeah, they'll yep. be in the final four of the Nations League next summer. And they're a strong team, perhaps not mm. as strong as those sides of last season or two. No, that's right. But they're still a great team. Yeah, absolutely, with a great manager and. Uh, a tough prospect for whoever they come up against in the round of 16 because I don't think you'll find many people who suggested Denmark will be going home after the groups. No, I agree. I agree with you there. I agree with you but there. we'll save our group D yeah, chat yeah, for a little bit later that's, on. That'll be the, yeah, that'll be just <laughs> before the World Cup kicks off, I think. Yes, we are shifting the order a bit after today's episode. That's right. We are putting Group D at the end, leaving Australia to lucky last because they need all the luck they can get. But looking at Argentina... Three times runners-up, twice World Cup champions, but they've only made it to the semis or better once in the past 30 years. That's a massive underachievement for Argentina. Say that again. Only once in the last 30 years right. have they made it to the semis. 2014. It is 2014 where they finished runner-up yep. in the final, but that's the only time they've made the semis. Since 1990. Yeah. And Sounds about I, right, yeah. Jeez. That's a massive underachievement. Yeah, well, yeah. So if we talk about 1994, that's where it all imploded and Maradona had the positive test, unfortunately. We talk about 98, that's where the battle against uh, England took place. And obviously the English got taken out, but then the Dutch accounted for the Argentinians there. Yeah, yeah, sounds it's crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? So does the reputation of Argentina take a bit of a hit off the back of that, do you think? Or... Uh, does that form a bit of a consideration for you heading into this tournament, the fact that they haven't really done it on the World Cup stage for so long now? Yes, they won the Copa America, but it's a different kettle of fish here. Yeah, it is a different kettle of fish, but again, the Copa American champions should never be taken lightly. I don't think. I think they're justifiably continental champions. They won that the hard way against Brazil in Brazil as well. So... I think their bona fides for this tournament are are real, and I think they're def- they're definitely a contender, you know, a semi a potential semi final contender. But which you know, we'll obviously talk about like a fantasy prediction scenario and where we go, where we think who makes the you know who makes their runs later on in in, in the series. But yeah, I think that they win this group. Joining us on the back peg in our Destination Doha World Cup series is our first guest to the back peg, and we'd like to welcome Yerman Cabrera from G10 Football. Welcome, Yerman. Hey, guys. It's a pleasure being on this podcast. Buzzing for this one. Yeah, thanks for joining us, mate. It's uh, greatly appreciate your time uh, and yourself being our self-appointed Argentinian expert, uh, being of Argentinian background. <laughs> 
So well, we just wanted to get your thoughts, uh, given that you've you've got your ear to the ground and what's happening in Argentina with your your family connections. What is the feeling in Argentina currently as uh, we're you know approaching this World Cup in Qatar? Well, look, we're like I think it's like thirty odd days uh, away. True. Yeah, we're not too far away. We're not too far away. Yeah. Yeah. The time of this recording. Um, yeah. The current issue that we're going through right now is we've got we've got two players that are currently on the injury list. So it's Di Maria and Dybala. So right now we're questioning things like player load, uh, what type of players to rest, what's going to happen the final two weeks of the uh, season coming into the World Cup. So like we're we're stressing out about that, and also we're also stressing out the fact that. You know, this is a weird World Cup. We only get one week together as opposed to getting like almost four or five weeks. Yeah, it's a, it's a different World Cup. It's mixed emotions right now back home in Argentina. Yeah, what are the people's expectations of Messi and how you guys see that he'll perform in this World Cup, having admitted that this will be his uh, swan song? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, look, he uh, did admit, I think like it was like last week, that mm. um, this would be his last and final World Cup. So... Look, you don't even have to be an Argentina supporter, but if you're just a Messi supporter, you want him to win this one. Mm. Do you, is That's, the pressure on him? Is I, there... I think so. Yep. But I feel like because he's not, he doesn't have that same kind of pressure that he had while being at Barcelona, that he's got at PSG, he's sort of able to manage it this time. Sure. And also the fact that we've, just come back from winning the uh, Copa America, I feel like that just gives him that, you know, added uh, confidence boost and stuff like that because yep. he was just missing a major title with the uh, national team because yeah. he'd won, he'd won the under-20s World Cup. He's done a lot with the Argentinian youth system, but just, you know, national team men's football, we've always finished second best. So You mentioned those tournaments that he's won recently, just the Copa America last year, but does Messi need a World Cup in his trophy cabinet once he's retired? I mean, look, it would be nice. Um, Again, for me, I'm a little bit biased because growing up, my idol was Maradona. And the big difference between Messi and Maradona is Maradona has that World Cup. Yeah. And Messi doesn't. Yeah. But we're just truly blessed to have been able to see... Uh, the the craziness of La uh, Puglia, Messi. So does he does he need it? Yes and no. You know he's won every individual award possible, and he's still out there trying to break more records. So I'd love him to I'd love him to get it. But and moving we'll forward for Argentina at this World Cup, you mentioned the injuries to Dybala and to Di Maria. Is it on Messi to basically carry this Argentinian team? Uh, at least in an attacking sense, perhaps give off the same sort of energy as Maradona 86? Well, look, they're two different characters. Maradona could just be like, you know what, guys, I've got this. I can put the team on my shoulders and I'll take the load. Whereas Messi is a little bit more laid back. He's quiet. He doesn't have that that personality. Look, the team isn't built around Messi. That's the big difference now. Now we actually have... Uh, as a collective, we're really, really good. Um, so I don't think he's got that pressure to be like, "Hey guys, I'll I'll take it in the uh, attacking attacking third. He will definitely try to you know dominate and lead and stuff. But no, it's different to, for example, the last World Cup where, or even the previous one to that, where just everything was just you're relying Messi to do it all. To that point, I think you're right with regards to the 
not 2018, but 2014, I think there was more pressure on Messi to, you know, to try and deliver a World Cup, given that they made the final, but also it was on the South American continent. Whilst I feel that the pressure's off to a degree because he's got the monkey off his back with regards to having won a major with Argentina. So, now it's interesting to hear your take and what, you know, the people uh, close to you are thinking about that. Yeah, no, that's uh, so true. Look, the 2014 World Cup was completely different. You know, it was in South America. It was in Brazil. We made the final. To be honest, a lot of us didn't expect to uh, actually make that final. So... Yeah, he definitely doesn't have that uh, pressure. He's also learnt from from that as well, just as the whole team has as well. And it's a completely new structure. The team isn't so much built around him. They've actually we've got the right pieces put in place right now. So, and like even if you just watch the team train, you can just see they're so tight knit that um, that's what that's why we're like thirty plus games undefeated the most impressive so, record yeah most impressive record yeah. of any nation coming into this world cup that's for sure and it makes a big difference but look at the end of the day a world cup's a world cup yeah now do you think that this edition of the argentinian team now the 2022 20, version is stronger and well placed more so than the 2014 edition uh, look it's it's different because like i said before we're very tight-knit like they're they're just like a bunch of mates just playing together whereas the 2014 there were a couple different groups and you could like really see it okay um, whereas now it's just one one collective scaloni's done really really well organizing this putting it all together even his like backroom staff as well like he's got pablo aymar there with him he's got walter samuel so it's like ex-pros they know what it's like playing for argentina and they know that pressure and they still have that relationship within the players. And that makes a big difference. So they're like very well respected. It's not so much, you know, player coach. It's just like, you know what, we're all we're all brothers. We're here for the uh, same reason and we want to do what's best for the country. It's very easy to make the connection for someone who doesn't know too much about this Argentinian team that it is the Lionel Messi show as it has been in past World Cups. But I want to talk, you mentioned about the organisation that is in this Argentinian team, a word associated often with defensive structures, and the defense of Argentina is one that has flown under the radar a little bit coming into this World Cup. No matches lost throughout qualifying, only eight goals conceded. Yes, the second game against Brazil didn't go ahead. We didn't see that final test for this Argentinian backline, but how impressed are you with this Argentinian defense coming into Qatar 22? Look, I'm, I'm really confident with our defense uh, these days. It's not that shambolic defense where, you know, what if our attacking players lost the ball you're like holding on to your seat because you're like all right how many goals are we going to cop today um right now we're like extremely organized i think we've got the right kind of mix from like experience and also uh the young young and up and coming uh defenders as well the most experienced and impressive player right now for me in the back line is uh martinez who's playing at manchester united and for me he's doing a really good job playing in uh the english system it's not easy uh for a South American, especially someone with his stature, like he's tiny compared to your usual standard uh, centre-backs. So he's one that's impressing uh, impressing me. You've also got Otamendi there. He's a little bit questionable because he's not as quick, but you've got, again, like I said it before, you've got the right pieces in the right spots. Right now we've got also, I think it's like two other injuries as well. We've got Juan uh, Foyth, who's at uh, Vigarreal, so he's a question mark. 
who for me is also a very good defender. And then there's the other question marks. All right, we've got to cut down the team from, I think it's 36 or 35 to yeah, 26. They take 26. Yeah. Yeah. So we're actually announcing Saturday morning. Um, we have to announce our 36 or 30, 35-man uh, squad. So, yeah, the pressure's on uh, Scaloni. So, yeah, so I, I think the actual players in general in the in the defensive line that he's got a question mark over is Foyth, Molina, and I think Tagliafico. I'm not too sure because I'm not sure. Um, he's left. He was playing in Holland, and I think now he's playing in France. So I'm not too sure if he's really set on him playing over there, but... Yeah, look, our defensive line, uh, for me, isn't an issue anymore. You mentioned a lot of centre-halves there and a few that have really lit up the Premier League and other European leagues as well this season. Are you expecting the first-choice pairing to be Martinez and Otamendi or does Christian Romero come into the side? Well, I I think Lisandro Martinez does deserve to be in there and just going off our last games, yeah, it'll be him and Otamendi. Look, I'm a big fan also of... El Cuti Romero as well, who's just an actual uh, beast right now, and he's doing well in in England. So, yeah, look, anything's possible as long as our players stay fit and healthy with thirty odd days to go. So, who is your player that uh, the listeners should be keeping an eye out for? Like, who who's the unsung hero or the one that will be stand out in this tournament for Argentina aside from Messi? St- look, stand out. I, I feel like it'll. Not so much like standing out, like you know, scoring goals and stuff, but it'll it'll either be Dipol or Paredes. Dipol, like the last ten or fifteen games with Argentina, has just really stepped it up. Like his passing ratio, he barely gives away the ball. He's always looking to to connect with the right players. He's actually easing a lot of pressure off Messi. So for me, yeah, definitely DePaul. The only downside is that Simeone's not playing him a lot at Atletico Madrid. Are you putting a lot of weight on players playing week in, week out coming into this World Cup? Is it a problem for you that some players might be coming in and out of the teams? Yeah, definitely. Look, because like I said before, you only get like, we're literally getting seven to eight days together. So you don't have a lot of time to, you know, even just go through and conditioning players like you can only do so much in those uh, days whereas if you had four or five weeks with previous World Cups you're covering everything you're conditioning the players you're able to go through the tactics and stuff so the last uh, international break we had I feel like that's where we were able to sort of work on a lot of different stuff but yeah we have the most challenging opponents so yeah I am placing a lot of uh, emphasis on players playing week in week week out right now but again controlling their load and making sure they're not getting injured so what do you make of the rest of the group that Argentina's in and how far do you think Argentina will go look to be honest I don't know a lot about uh, Saudi Arabia all I do know is that they've got a coach that's won the Africans uh, cup with Zambia or something yeah Poland well I mean you you say you say Poland the first but that comes to mind is Lewandowski. That's right. So, um, <laughs> well, we're going to do a word association game with you, but that's right. you've already done it. <laughs> um, yeah, look, Poland's got Lewandowski. They've got uh, Zielinski. They've got Thomas, who's also at uh, Juve. So I think they've got like a few Italian-based players. Mm. Um, it's not going to be an easy game. And mm. trying to hold off beast of a striker like Lewandowski, 
going to be tough. But Not it could, just for our back line, yeah. but for any back line. Yeah, but it could work in your favour because you faced them last and you could have... Well, yeah, You could exactly. have the group so, already sewn up by then. Yeah, but again, it just depends as well where we want to finish. Yeah, no, that's right. It's, that's right. It, it's all tactical. Like, Who's your biggest threat in this group? Who's Argentina's biggest threat in this group? Mexico. We've got too much history. For me, it's Mexico. I'm not... It's not that I'm not confident. It's just, you know, you've got to be humble. Because every time we've played Mexico, it's been a cracker of a game and it's been back and forth. Like, I still have images of, I think it was 2006 World Cup where, I can't remember his name. But anyway, we scored yeah. a volley outside the the box. He's just chested it down and he's hit it left foot across the keeper, toppings. And it was a very even game. That's what just split us apart, like mm. a world-class uh, goal like that. Mm. So, And look, they've got the right kind of mix of players as well. They've got old with young They've got a couple players playing in the EPO, in the MLS. So I'm not sure who's injured and who's, you know, uh, marked as a question mark right now for him. But yeah, that's going to be the game of the uh, of Group Group C for us. So Mexico, Argentina, that's and, a must watch for everyone. And if you're eyeing off a potential first round knockout against Group D teams it's probably going to be france or denmark at least heading into the world cup that is the hot favorites to get out of the group but there's plenty of stories surrounding france at the moment and it doesn't look like a happy camp coming into this tournament do you see a scenario where argentina win the group and end up getting the worst draw i mean it it could happen but just going off form wise i feel like once we get out of the the group stage if we're doing well then I believe that this World Cup will just knock the next opponent out of the park. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. So, fearless prediction time. What happens? uh, I'm trying to stay as as humble as possible and build it up to the point where I'm like, hey, you know, we're going to win it. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, just going off form-wise, like, I watched the finalissima against um, Italy and I feel like we played them out of off the, the field absolutely like just yeah like yeah. we just completely dominated and you know what yes italy has been uh struggling lately but don't forget they've just they won the euros with yeah, that team right. absolutely so to to beat a team like italy like how we did you know it's not easy so going off that last game i feel like you know whoever whoever comes in our way like i feel confident and i'm actually i want it to be uh the big countries as well like, if you're going to do it, I want, I, I want to do it personally, properly. So so what would be considered a success? Win or semis or where where does Argentina have to, yes. to hit the level? A win. So they have, to win, they have to win the World Cup? 100%. Okay, finals not good enough? No. Okay. We've already... Look, we, we finished second in uh, 2014 and it's in the moment, you're like, no, nah, we, we failed looking back now. I don't see it as a failure, but, like, you know, we, we walked away second best. So yeah. you, we had to rebuild, and it took us a while. Like, the last World Cup, we we struggled a little bit, and I feel now is time to do it. If we don't do it now, then, yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening, like, with the current team of players that we have and with Messi. I don't see it happening anytime soon, so it's got to be now. All right. Well, there you have it. 
You've heard it from Yerman Cabrera there. Uh, Yerman, thank you for joining the Back Peg in our Destination Doha series. Greatly appreciate your time. Give your uh, social media accounts a plug whilst we're on. Yep, so you can find me on uh, Instagram, TikTok and YouTube at G10Football, F-U-T-B-O-L, the proper way to spell it. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, we've got a lot of content for the kids, teenagers and even pro players, so... Uh, yeah guys it's been a pleasure thank you for having me uh, on and look forward to hearing and seeing more of this podcast and buzzing for this world cup uh thank you yerman greatly appreciate your time Uh, thank you for joining us and uh being our first guest and uh we're really thankful and all the best with g10 football as well and uh, enjoy the world cup thank you thank you guys Let's talk about our Mexican friends. Yes, no World Cups, no runners-ups. Best result, the quarterfinals in 1970 where they were the hosts. Same in 86, they were the hosts. Otherwise, it's the round of 16 for the last seven World Cups in a row. Can they do it again? Can they get out of the group? You think they will? I think they'll get out of the group, and I think they'll finish in the round of 16, and I think that's where it ends again for them, unfortunately. That's their ceiling, it's seemingly. Uh, at the World Cup, as much as they would love to get through to a quarterfinal, and the Mexican nation is, you know, crying out for getting through to the quarterfinal, um, I don't see them. I don't see them getting through. They have got the uh, previous Barcelona coach Martino as uh, their head coach as well, which is good. You know, who is of some renown. Their form is very patchy at best of late in the last uh, in the recent friendlies, so. I know the Americans have uh, beaten them in recent times as well. So, look, they're there on reputation. They're, they'll be solid. They'll be solid. I think that player to look out for for mine is their centre midfielder, Alvarez. I think, you know, it's all got to come from their midfield. They've got to really consolidate their, their midfield and make sure that um, they can control the tempo wherever possible. Otherwise... You know, they'll do enough to get out of the group, but I don't see them troubling anyone else further beyond that. For mine with his Mexico, Mexico side, you've got Raul Jimenez at Wolves. He's not the same player that he was before his injury that he got. He's massively out of form, picked up an injury as well. I don't know if he goes this time around. Because it wasn't... I mean, he was playing. He just, he was playing in in the lead-up to the pre, into the recent friendlies, and he didn't feature. He didn't even get a call-up. Otherwise, where are the goals going to come from from this Mexican side? You look at Lozano, a player who's done all right at Napoli but hasn't really cemented his place in the side. Napoli are a fantastic team this season so far yeah. in Europe, but Lozano's been a bit of a bit-part player. Yeah. Uh, Hector Herrera in midfield, he hasn't really transitioned all that well to MLS, moving yeah. away from Atletico Madrid. That's fair. Aside from those players, most of them are locally based in Mexico. now. All playing MLS. or yeah. All playing MLS. Yeah. Uh, the Mexican League is one of the best away from Europe, but maybe in the same conversation as the J League mm. for the highest level of football away from Europe. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's not that much uh, experience for mine in this Mexican side, and I think that's where they can come unstuck. The defense really does worry me coming into this tournament for Mexico. Yeah, I think you're right as well about Lozano. I think Lozano's probably their threat. If they don't take Jimenez, I think... Um yeah, I think Lozano's got to go. I think Lozano's got to step up. He has had a good season in Napoli, though, to be fair. 
He has been in and out of the side a bit too much, though. He's not. Yeah. He doesn't start every week for them. He, no. come, he comes in and out, very much a rotation player. And uh, he, he's a player who's always got the hopes of a nation on his shoulders going into major tournaments. El Chucky, Lozano. Yeah, sure. But he has rarely delivered on a, on a regular basis for the national team. This perhaps is his opportunity. There's mm. going to be a lot of pressure on him from those very passionate Mexican supporters in the stadiums uh, and online, of course. There's so, there'll be so many Mexican fans. If you are a Mexican fan listening to this podcast, <laughs> then definitely do get in touch. Please. Please, but, it'd be awesome to get your feedback. But yes, it is going to be a tough tournament, I think, for Mexico. A lot of expectation of getting out of the group. I do think they fall short in this uh, group of four. I think they drop points against... All the teams, and I think Poland are the ones to actually go through. So let's talk about the Polish side at the moment. And yeah, surely sure. it is one man for Poland. It is Robert Lewandowski. This is Messi versus Lewandowski in this group, surely. Ah, yeah, but then, yeah, I don't see Poland beating beating Argentina. I Potentially, you, you could persuade me that they could do a number on Mexico. I know that Mexico are playing them first up, yeah, so we'll, which will obviously go through game by game shortly. But um, I think that, yeah, Poland, yeah, again, it's all about Lewandowski, isn't it? And he's in great form at Barcelona. He is one of the best out-and-out number nines of all time, having a good season for Barcelona. Uh, but What do you make of their recent form? It's not it's great. P- it's patchy. It's patchy at best. At best. At best. And that's down to being, uh, if you have a look at the rest of the team, there's not really a whole lot of quality. Yes, Zielinski's good. Yes, Chesney has his good performances. But really, outside of that, there's not a whole lot there. Jan Begnarek in defence doesn't play much for Aston Villa. He's gone there this season on loan. Matty Cash is in and out of the side. Mm. But there's not really a lot of quality there for mine from Poland. But it is a Lewandowski show. It's just whether he can carry this side in some of the crucial games against Mexico and against Saudi Arabia because I think Argentina win all three games. Yeah, I, nine I think points. you're right there. So the matches against Argentina are irrelevant for the rest of the group. Yeah, that's true. Yep. It's just a bit of a shootout. A three-team group, essentially, what we're going to see in World Cup 2026 yeah, between right. the, these three teams. I think that uh, Szczesny in goals is probably the strongest goalkeeper across all. I mean, Emilio Martinez and Szczesny... One, you know, six of one and half a dozen of the other, right? So a goalkeeper in this tournament, you know, could secure you a point, perhaps even turn one point into three points, right? So if there's a strong point there, I mean, I, I, I do rate Mexico's keeper as well, right? Uh, Ochoa. But I think that Poland, it's all about the supporting act to Lewandowski. Anything you play the ball into Lewandowski in the right part of the part of the field. You got Zelinsky, you know, Krakowiak. There's players of some repute there, right? So they're, they're no mugs. They're no mugs. They're, they're to be respected. This is a really, really tough group to call. It is. The, I think the more that we're looking at it, you know, and the Poland more Poland and Mexico things, very, very, very evenly matched. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's where the group gets decided as far as the other position is concerned. And the beauty about that is that it's first game up. It's a very vital game for Ooh. this group. And Ooh. we talked about some of the other teams in the other podcasts where they have a, a really comfortable match first up relatively where the expectation is ramped up. This is You have to go out and be on the front foot, take the points out of this first game, start off on the right foot because if you get it wrong, then you are looking at an exit. 
if this match goes wrong for Mexico in this game and Poland come out on top, then it is looking like an early exit for the Mexicans from this tournament. Yeah, yeah. Look, it 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 wouldn't surprise me. It would would not surprise me. I think that the polls are definitely worth a shot. Funny enough, I think though, if Poland, Poland could be the kind of team where if they actually do make it out of this group, they could actually trouble the next opponent, which would be France or Denmark. More than likely. More than likely. Right, more than likely. They could pose a real problem to um, to whoever they play next. And then if you get on a quarter, you know, if you get on a run in the knockout phase, who knows? Who knows in deep. Well, let's yeah, have a look at the other team in the group, Saudi Arabia. Our Asian Confederation colleagues. Yes, locals to the World Cup, of course, being yes, a, they are. a Middle Eastern nation. Uh, Javier Renard as manager. But he's probably the most reputable person amongst this Saudi Arabian camp because a lot of the players are... Well, a few years ago, there was a, a, a program to really give European experience to a lot of the Saudi Arabian players. That's but right. that's ceased. The players have gone back to Saudi Arabia. Correct. And as a result, you're seeing a lot less uh, experience outside of the local league. It's a very similar situation to Mexico at the moment because you're seeing a lot of domestic players... And what that does is, I think it can leave you a little bit underprepared going into an international tournament. Yeah, I, I think that's where the where the weaknesses uh, start to appear with regards to that. Where the, effectively all these players are playing in this in the Saudi Super League there, and you know the, the lack of exposure to higher quality opposition on an individual basis, where you know you look at. Even some Australians are, you know, going over and playing in the championship at the moment, right? So you've got uh, you've got Koreans over in and and uh, Japanese players over in uh, the UK playing in the EPL and the SPL. So you don't have any of this of many of the um, Arab nations, unfortunately, going over and, and applying their trade in Europe. One is because probably the standard of the quality of lifestyle that they're offered in their home nation as well is quite comfortable so you know and they're able to attract external talent into those countries like uh, Renard the coach there and you know feel comfortable it would have I wonder how they would have gone had they applied a, a slightly I don't want to say western way of thinking but where they knew they've known for a while that the World Cup was going to be in their backyard Try and get your talent to go overseas and apply their trade overseas in the competitive leagues, in the in the stronger competitive leagues in Europe. This is come an age-old debate. Come back and, and apply your trade. This is an age-old debate. Do you pick players who are at a good level but in and out of the teams, or do you pick players who are just scoring goals, putting good performances? Are good performances good enough for the national team, regardless of the level? Well, let's have the debate quickly. I think if you're training at a high, with a the likes of a Fulham or a QPR in the championship or, you know, at that level and you're competing for your place against players who are of a higher calibre than what it is that you're normally facing or considered of a higher calibre, I think that rubs off on you. I think that can only get you so far, though. At the end of the day, you need to be playing games, scoring goals, making assists if you are up the pitch, of course. But is is it better to be playing games in the Saudi League as opposed to actually training and fighting for a spot and playing maybe in the reserves of Fulham and the, and the like. 
I think playing games in Saudi Arabia, if you are playing it week in, week out, it is better than sitting on the bench and only doing training because training, it's not great most of the time. It doesn't have the same intensity as regular football matches, mm. even if it is against higher level of players in training. I think if you're Harvey Renard, it doesn't really come into a consideration for you because you want players who are playing week in, week out and scoring goals, creating chances, keeping goals out. I think that this is where these nations are letting themselves down, unfortunately, as far as uh, exposure to football overseas. Like, even go to, to Germany and, you know, play in the Bundes 2, for instance, right? Or in France. Those kind of things where, considered that the the European leagues are the, the most competitive leagues, you need to be in, in and amongst that to actually, you know, and, and try and bring that skill back and apply it to your national team that way and, and try and, you know, and, and obviously get the right talent as far as coaching is concerned. So to give themselves a better chance, I look at this side and, okay, well, Firasil Birikin is probably the striker who might be their key player, but how many chance? Let's be realistic. Yes, they will get chances, but I don't suspect that they will be getting chances against the Polish defence or the Mexican defence. Let's set aside the Argentinian defence, right? To actually make a you know to make a statement, and he's a young he's a young player, he's a young attacker, right? But playing for Al uh, Al Fateh at the moment, so I'm not sure exactly how you you can actually see them progress. To be honest, I think getting out of the group is going to be a bridge too far for the Saudis at this tournament. It would be a disappointment, given it is given it is in their region, of course. For mine, the key player is the centre-half, Abdullah Al-Amri. Plays yep. for Al Nasser in the local league. Yep. A 25-year-old, good centre-back. Plays as a, preferably as a wide centre-back in a three, so he can get up the pitch. He has yep. a good pass on him. I've been doing some YouTube scouting, if you can tell. Yeah, uh, I can. He <laughs> uh, takes set pieces as well. Uh, from wider out, he has a good cross on him. The, we talked a lot about the attacking players in this group. Messi, Lewandowski, Lozano. Mm. It's up to that Saudi defence to try and lock the door, keep the goals out. And that's why I think he's a key player. If he has a good tournament, then Saudi Arabia can get some points on the board. I think the Saudis would be happy if two of the games finish nil all and they win one one nil, right? That would definitely take five points. That's right. <laughs> so chances are, but like you said earlier, the Argentina game is, you know, we can put that aside, park that to one side because it's unlikely that they'll get a result there. That'll be a nil or draw. But... The questions are, how do they go against Poland and how do they go against Mexico? I don't see the... And I'm not being I'm not being disrespectful. I don't see how the Polish can lose to this team. Likewise, the Mexicans. I just don't see it. And that's why I, think I have them finishing bottom. That's a fair call. Let's play a quick word association game. This is getting a bit dangerous given the World Cup's in Qatar, but go That's ahead. Right. That's all right. It's, it's never dangerous. Hey, we're on a podcast. It is meant to be, you know, we're meant to be dangerous to a degree, right? One word, one word association. Argentina. Maradona. Okay. Saudi Arabia. Ah. <laughs> Can't say that word. Okay. Mexico. What immediately comes to mind is uh, Fiesta. There you go. Poland. Cold. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I'm, well, look, Argentina, for mine, I straight away think of Messi or Maradona. 
So yes, I, I, that's, I'm with strange. You there. that's strange. That's strange. Your generation yeah. says Messi, and some of yeah. my generation says Maradona. Maradona. Yeah, I'm with you. You, you think it'd be the other way around? Yeah, I know. They're just straight <laughs> away. It's the M's. It's the you know, it's the M's. Um, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> no offense to our Saudi friends, but nothing. Um, oil. Yeah, oil. <laughs> there you go. Oil. Oil. That's that's a good one. Oil. Uh, Poland. I got like just some sauerkraut or something of that nature, just that kind of you know something with <laughs> that you put on the side with your schnitzel or your sausages or something like that. Even though that's probably more German than Polish, but um, and Mexico, well, you can't go past the Fiesta. But I actually would have said Corona beer. Not that we're doing product placements, but hey, mm. Corona, if hey. you want to sponsor us, feel free. We'll definitely take your Corona. Absolutely, Corona advertisements, a hundred percent. So there's your, your one-word association. We didn't do, do it for the other groups, but maybe we might, you know. So well, we, we, did a we can get thing. people to send us their DMs and tell us what are they, you know, one word equals, you know, think of a country and send us your one word. We'll do a bit of a, a little bit of a sideshow there. Yeah. Word association, quirky facts, things of that nature. A bit of yeah. fun yeah. here on the back peg. Well, let's go group by group. Okay. Game by game now. Game by like. game. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's go game by game now All and right. give our predictions. Put, stick our necks out and... Uh, Yes, leave ourselves open for some uh, abuse later down the track. Always. Let's go. So Argentina against Saudi Arabia, the first match of this group. I don't think there's going to be a disagreement here. I think it's a comfortable win three for nil. the South American side. I'm going to go for a 2-0. Yep, 3-0 for me. 3-0, 2-0 doesn't really... Yeah, it doesn't matter. doesn't really make a difference. And Mexico against Poland. This mm, is that, a massive game for this group. It could be the game of the group. I think it is. I think. Well, I think it's the game that defines the rest of the group to be fair. So, I would say a cagey draw to really make the, you know, to try and set up the group. I can definitely say that. Yeah. Definitely say that. I'd say a cagey draw. Neither team wants to lose. Yeah. I I would say, look, one all. I'm going for a narrow Polish win. There you go. Robert Lewandowski with a brace to make it 2-1. Yep. That's fair. So, after the first match day, I've got Argentina on three, Mm -hmm. Poland on three, Mm. the other two sides on on Nil Poir mm-hmm. heading into match day two and that was you... very Eurovision Nil Poir <laughs> Nil Poir yes <laughs> I say it every, every time on Eurovision Nil Poir Nil Poir match day two Poland against Saudi Arabia yeah Poland will probably win 2-0 I'm putting this one down as a one-all draw well I, I think being mate, you're throwing some stuff here that's, that's cool I'm putting it down as a draw I think because it's in the region as well, there's going to be some adjustment for the European sides coming across. We talked about this a little bit in episode one. I think some of the Arab states, they're going to show uh, a bit more of what they can do. Mm-hmm. We've seen some of the East Asian sides, when they go over to qualifying, really struggle. Australia's renowned for its struggles in the Middle East down mm. the years, picking up away wins. Japan as well, two great sides in the Confederation. It takes something a bit, little bit different to go to the Middle East and pick up results. So I think Saudi Arabia being basically on home turf, they can get a point out of this game, and it's just keeping the door shut and getting keeping the ball away from Robert Lewandowski. Yep, yep, no, that's fair enough. That's uh, your, fair enough. your thought on uh, Poland-Saudi Arabia? My thoughts are that um, it will probably be Poland 2-0. And Argentina-Mexico. Yeah, this is where I'm, I'm going to throw a bit of... A bit of heat the other way, I guess. Well, not even heat, but just something into the into the works just for the hell of it, right? I'm going to say it's a draw. 
Wow, that, that's a massive point for Mexico. And I'm going to say a one-all draw. A one-all draw. Keep Messi quiet? Just for that game, yeah. Yeah, just for that game. I don't know. I've got a feeling about that game. They've got a history and they've got... And Mexico, you know, uh, might be able to jag a result. And look, when I say jag a result, the only result that they can jag, I think, against Argentina is a draw. I don't see them beating Argentina. But I think that... Um, I think that... Mexico earn a point and it'll probably be the only team that takes a point off Argentina in this group. That's a fair call. Mm. So after two match days, I've got Argentina on six, Poland on four, Saudi Arabia on one, and Mexico on zero. Yeah. Uh, you've got a I've very got... different looking group yeah, even after just two match days. Correct. Argentina on four. four. Poland will be on uh, two. Mexico will be on two. Two and Saudi Arabia on nil. Correct. Heading into match day three. Correct. Poland, Argentina. Needing to do something to get out of the group, Poland. Argentina win. But that's the unfortunate thing. You've got to play the big boy at some point. Yeah. Uh, Argentina 1-0 for mine. Argentina 1-0 for mine as well. And Saudi Arabia against Mexico. And Mexico beats Saudi Arabia. I've got this one down as a goal straw. Wow. I think okay. Saudi Arabia uh, locked the door. I think Mexico beat Saudi Arabia 2-1. So that leaves me on Argentina on 9. Yep. Poland on 4. Yep. With a neutral goal difference. Yep. Saudi Arabia on 2 and Mexico on 1. So, I've got Argentina on seven. I've got Mexico on five. And Poland on four. And the Saudis on zero. Very different looking groups. This is the one... Because Group A, Group B, we've had slightly different results. Maybe mm. a different team going through here or there. But the, the fortunes of Mexico is uh, the first real differing opinions that we've had. We'll see how it all pans out. That's all right, mate. If we want to get more animated at each other, yep. feel free. Let's sling it. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I told you Mexico would be going out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. No, but yeah, I, I see. Yeah, I just see that Mexico might take a point, and that's where the point of difference is. Ching. Before we go, Nathan, before we say goodbye to our podcast listeners, quirky fact for Qatar. Go on, hit me. Doha has the longest continuous cycle path in the world. Did really? you know that? 33 kilometers long. So if you're going over to Qatar, get on the Doha continuous cycle path there. And it'll be nice and flat as well. Absolutely, because we know it's the second flattest country in the world. Behind the Maldives, uh, I've, I've been corrected since. It's not the Netherlands uh, that is the flattest country on the in the world, but uh, yes. The Maldives, if you can count that as a country. There, there you go. I'm sure that somebody from the Maldives will be listening. <laughs> yes hopefully this podcast does reach the Maldives if you're, if you're in the Maldives definitely do give Let us know, a reach out invite us over as well that's right that'd be nice <laughs> we can do a podcast from there alright so uh, I guess we'll say goodbye to, to our listeners uh, we want to thank Yedaman for joining us from G10 Football uh, hit him up on Instagram and I guess that's it from me and yes that's it for me as well on episode 3 of Destination Doha the back peg Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys.